Now I realize this morning the weather is what it is outside, but this is a very special morning and nothing must interfere with that. This is the last Sunday we will assemble together in this um, decade, 2019. Next time we come together it will be a brand new decade of 2020. And so my thoughts go back uh, this morning uh, to 1969, 1969. I remember we assembled with a group of believers just about this time of year, but it was actually on New Year's Eve of 1969. Laura was just a month and a half old. I had just recently uh, resurrendered, resubmitted my life to Jesus. And I was asked to share something at that time. Uh, at that service and I shared a little something and I had uh, become I had become by that time very much interested in Bible prophecy and I was thinking in terms of the return of Jesus and I'm thinking about the return of Jesus now and I remember sharing and saying that uh, perhaps we didn't know but perhaps perhaps um, in the decade that we were just about to usher in 1970 Perhaps the Lord would return in that decade. Well, that was that was good. That was good to say that. And so we talked a little bit about that. And I remember um, Clifford Weeks was there with us. And Clifford did not usually attend that particular assembly. But he was there that night. And I didn't realize it at the time. But Clifford would be following me and what was happening in my life. And he was very much interested in that. I didn't know that at the time. But that became... Uh, that became clear to me as time passed. And so that was 50 years ago. 50 years ago. Almost 50 years ago today. Almost. So I want to share with you a little bit this morning from Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. I'll read this passage to you um, from the King James Bible. Then I'll also read it to you from the New King James Bible. And the meaning is the same in both, wording changed slightly. And the subject for this this morning is suffer the children, suffer the little children, to come unto me. We're going to focus on, on this this morning. When it says, uh, then they were brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed thence. Now, Luke's gospel also records this, but in Luke's gospel, it's very interesting. The Greek word that's used for children is a different Greek word, which means babes or infants. But in both Mark and Matthew, the Greek word that is used speaks about little children. Not necessarily just infants, but also could include infants. But it broadens it out in terms of little children, whether they are infants or a little older. The idea of children, they were brought to Jesus. This is from the modern King James Version. Then little children were brought to him that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. Can you imagine? The disciples of Jesus rebuked the parents who were bringing their little children. But Jesus said, Allow the little children to come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. 
And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Before the children come back up in a little while, or immediately after they come back up in a little while, I have a little video I want to show you, and I'll introduce that at the appropriate time. But the first thing that I'm impressed by this morning is when Jesus said, suffer or allow the little children to be brought to me. He didn't, uh, it wasn't coercing them to be brought, but the idea was that as they desire to come and as their parents desire to bring them to me, he said, then uh, allow them, allow them to come. But the motivation for coming did not originate with Jesus in the sense that he was not ordering or commanding, but the motivation originated with the parents of these little children. And allow them to come. Allow the parents to bring their little children and allow the little children to come. Don't hinder them. One of the things that is very interesting is that parents, and this has occurred uh, then, at that time, this was happening in that moment, at that time, and it's happening now, this morning, parents want good things for their children. Parents will give anything for their children. They'll give their lives without even thinking. They'll give their lives for their children. If something happens in terms of a calamity, the first ones who are protected and looked to and looked for is the children, would be the children. After the children, then we're concerned about others. But the children are, the parents want good things for their children. They live for their children. They love their children. There comes a time when a marriage occurs and the fruit of the marriage results in children that the parents are changed. The parents change when children enter the family. There's a seriousness that comes with it. There's a maturity that comes with it. There's a sense of concern for others that they've never had before. The parents have never had this concern and this level of seriousness before. There's a receptivity to spiritual things. This is an opportunity for a concern and a receptivity for spiritual things. Once children begin to be brought into the family, parents seem to know that there's a moment in time for molding and shaping the lives of these little ones that are brought into the family. There's an opportunity for molding and shaping and maybe not thinking about it every day, but realizing that that opportunity is a window that opens and then will close. And it seems as if when parents are, of course, younger and bringing children into the world, it seems as if that window will be open for a long time. But those of us who are a little older and have experienced this can testify to the fact that the window is closed very quickly. Relatively speaking, it's quickly closed And the opportunity to do the things that we could have done then is no longer with us. So parents become aware of this and they desire these good things for the children in a limited amount of time in order to do this and provide these things for their children. And these parents now that we read about this morning, these parents had something happen to them that was just profound. They had come to hear and had heard Jesus proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Which, which is the word from before time coming into time and space in the form of a human being and speaking the word. So he is the word personified 
speaking the word, which is the truth, the things of God, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And so the power with which he spoke was just so grand. It's impossible for us to contemplate it. It was so profound and so grand. And they heard with their ears. They saw him with their eyes. And they heard him speak. And the sound of his words and the content and the power of his words penetrated into them spirit and soul, dividing between spirit and soul. There was a purity to the words that he spoke and the way in which he spoke them. There was a cleanness and a purity that they had never heard before and could not possibly have heard from anyone else. There was an opening of truth to them. And as the truth was open to them, they began to see things they'd never seen before, could not see apart from the opening of the word to them. They began to see themselves. They began to see their background. They began to see the different choices that they had previously made. They realized the mistakes they had made, the errors they had made. Because whenever truth comes out like that so crystal clear, then everything else becomes clear and easy to see. Just imagine the clarity of being able to see things as they really are as Jesus speaks to them. That's what was happening. And they had experienced this for themselves and they had come to realize that as they listened to his words and as they began to appreciate and absorb his words and his teachings and the ideas that he expressed and the power with which he expressed them, they began to realize that something was happening within them. Something was happening within them and it was entirely good. And they began to realize that they they were becoming free of things that they had never been freed from in their entire lives. You know, all the times they had said that they would not do a certain thing knowing it was wrong, that they would not do that anymore, and seriously said, and even covenanted with God, they would never do that again. Oh, forgive me, God, Father, God, forgive me. I will never do that again. Only to find themselves doing it again over and over and over again. But now, just listening and appropriating the words which he was, that he was speaking, they began to realize that the power of his word was able to transform them on the inside and change them on the inside. They came in, what happened to them is that they came in, we're talking about by the hundreds and thousands of individual parents, and they came into a victorious living or victory in living that they long for and we long for. This is what we long for. I'll submit to you that those who are caught up in all kinds of perversity and absurdity in life are seekers having not found. Are seekers that have not found. And are looking in all kinds of different places for different things, including drugs and alcohol and the abuse of all these kinds of pleasure and all these kinds of things, but having not found anything that results in victory in living. They found victorious living. I could just realize it was as if it followed them and overtook them, and they said, oh, I haven't found myself doing such and such. I haven't found myself saying such and such. I haven't found myself speaking with anger. I haven't found myself doing the things that I have always done throughout my life. Things that have troubled me. I, I just, I'm free from those things. How did that happen to me? It's the power of the word. You see. 
It's the power of the word. See, this has not changed. And it is the power of the word that transforms us now. There's a washing of water of the word, the scripture says. And that's what these parents had experienced and we're experiencing. Now, when you find something really good in life, you want to share that with the people that you love. And the ones you love most fervently are your children. You love your spouse, yes. Different kind of love. Little different kind, you know. But when it comes right down to it, the ones you would most quickly die for, of course your spouse, but the one you would most quickly die for, those are your children. So this love is so grand and so great. You want to share the things that are of great significance with your children. And so why then would they not want to bring their children to Jesus? In fact, the desire to bring their children to Jesus was so intense, so pervasive. Oh, we must get our children into his hands. We must. They said, if I would have only known this when I was a child. When I was a child, if I could have experienced the things that I'm experiencing now, oh, all those things in their memory, and the memory, they go back to all the terrible issues that they had faced and improperly faced many times. Oh, I could have made so many different decisions than the ones I made. I know I would have been different than I was. If I could have been introduced to this then, but there's an opportunity for my children to be introduced to it now. I'm going to bring my children to Jesus. See, this is it for parents. So we're reading this this morning about an event that happened historically that continues to provide opportunity to occur now. Parents know that there are pitfalls ahead because they remember the pitfalls and they know there are pitfalls and they know their children will encounter these and they don't know what the result will be. But they know that it could be calamitous for their children. Certain of these pitfalls that await them. They know that in an evil society within which the child is growing up and being influenced by all kinds of things, including friends and education and, and just the culture that the child is being raised in, that this provides opportunity for the child to lose their way entirely with regard to the things of God. They also know that they are there are inherited traits that they present to their own children. And chances are that the things that troubled the parents when they were younger will be the things that will trouble their own offspring because they're inheriting things, including tendencies, inclinations from their parents. They know this. Parents know this. And they so intensely desire that the children would not Follow them in terms of the mistakes that they have been, been uh, that they have made, and so those parents that brought their children to Jesus on that day, undoubtedly were aware of all of these things, and also they were aware of this: that there was available to them a transcendent influence that could change everything, that could take the natural inclinations that would lead the children astray and lead them into all kinds of pitfalls that would be difficult for them and dangerous for them. But this transcendent influence could permit them to avoid those things entirely. And they knew that was available. 
So in other words, if they follow my natural example that I have provided from the natural realm that I provide for my children in terms of natural inheritance, they will fall into very deep and grievous pitfalls. But if they can receive this transcendent influence that I have just begun to experience myself, that will change everything. That will just change everything for them. The weaknesses... And you know, this is true that every family has tend- has weaknesses. There's a tendency and tendencies within each um, kind of natural inheritance to be susceptible and vulnerable to different kinds of issues. And they're all different. They're all different. But they're not pure and they're not clean and they're not godly. And we know from the natural standpoint that our children will inherit those tendencies from us. Once we've come to into the Word and and accepted and received the Word and the Word's power to transform us and realize that the weaknesses that we have lived with have become strengths now, then we want that for our children. And so I, I'll share with you a little bit this morning from Galatians chapter 5. And this passage of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul talks about the works of the flesh the natural things, the natural tendencies of human nature. Now, we'll find ourselves, naturally, we'll find ourselves somewhere in this list, not necessarily in all of them, not necessarily with tremendous power in each of them, but we'll find ourselves here in this list. And this has to do with natural, I mean, human nature, the flesh, and the apostle says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these... And he begins with adultery, which, of course, we know is a tremendous sin and affront, not only against the spouse, but against God. And so he says, first, adultery. It's a work of the flesh. And then he says fornication. Fornication, as we know, is any sexual sin. It could include adultery, but it doesn't limit itself to adultery. It's any kind of sexual transgression or sin. But it's a work of the flesh. And human beings, some are exposed to greater levels of difficulty with regards to this area than others are. But in the entire list that the Apostle gives, we find ourselves in various degrees, we find ourselves there. According to the natural man, And we know that. And we know that our children will have those tendencies too. And how then can they avoid the dangers of those tendencies? Well, these parents knew. These parents knew. And we know. And we must get our children into the hands of the Lord. The third one on the list is uncleanness. And this refers to, and I'm going to go with you this morning, I'm referring to definitions from the Greek words that are used. From Greek lexicons, I'll bring you the meaning of these words. So the word uncleanness is moral uncleanness. It's lewdness. It talks about incontinence in general, incontinence. And as you know, incontinence means lack of control or lack of self-control. 
uncleanness, especially moral uncleanness. And you remember in the scripture where it says in Jesus there was a person with, there with an unclean spirit? And this would be a person now who is being oppressed by a demonic influence, but the demonic influence operates through the flesh and the portal that the flesh offers. So there's both the natural human nature involved, but in many cases then there is an alien, malevolent, evil, spiritual influence that uses and works with the natural man in order to bring about a higher level of uncleanness. The next one is lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means an, an absence of restraint. It's someone who doesn't have, doesn't have governor. There's no governor. There's not a restraint. It means an insatiable desire for, pleasure, for pleasures. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is not just a desire for pleasures, but it's an insatiable desire for pleasures. And these, of course, are sinful expressions that the person returns to time after time after time after time after time and can never be satisfied. Lasciviousness. These are works of the flesh. Then he lists idolatry. And idolatry, of course, is placing anything in the place of God that the human being worships or deifies instead of God. And then he says witchcraft. And witchcraft means the occult. And the occult and all the practices of the occult is a desire to engage in spiritual phenomenon in ways other than God permits. All that is occult. Every bit of it is occult. Occult is putting needles over the stomach of a pregnant woman and seeing which direction it will take. That's occult. People said, oh, that's not it. It's absolutely occult. It's forbidden. All this stuff is forbidden. All the phenomena that goes with magic and witchcraft in general is part of the occult. But what it is, is a human, in the human nature, the flesh trying to substitute, find its own way to navigate through spiritual things and phenomena. The next one he mentions is hatred. Then the apostle lists the one that's called variance. And variance, variance means strife, contention, wrangling. All that, all these are works of the flesh. And these parents who brought their children to Jesus, they know this from their own experience. And we do too. Then as the word comes, it's, it's emulations. What does that mean? Emulations means envy and jealousy. And then there is wrath and strife. And then there's this word that's kind of interesting. It's seditions. Seditions. Seditions is division, partition, and separation. All these things that happen within government agencies and political parties. That happens within church organizations or any kind of where there are all of these divisions and petitions and separations are referred to as seditions and these are works of the flesh. Now this is very interesting because the one that follows that is called heresies and heresies and seditions are close to each other but just a little bit different. Heresies, 
And I'll read this from one of the lexicons. One can hold different views than the majority and remain in the same body, but he is a heretic. However, when he tears himself away, then he becomes seditious or schismatic. This is very interesting because you can have an assembly and in the assembly there will be individuals because of the works of the flesh which is, I don't like this, I don't like that, I, I, I was offended by this, I was offended by that. And so they split and they divide and they go into a different area. That's sedition. That's divisions, partitions, separation. But you can have people within a, a group, any group. This could be any group at all. It could be a, a group of believers. It could be any kind of group. And somebody in the group says, well, I'm a part of the group. But I don't believe in everything they say. You know, I don't believe in everything they say. I have my own views on this and this and this and this. And one of the places we see this really very, very clearly today, even is within, and I hesitate to mention only one, but it's so prominent in our society. We see this, for example, with the Roman Catholic Church, which is opposed to abortion. And one of the churches that is so strongly opposed to abortion is the Roman Catholic Church. They're very much opposed to this so-called maid or medical aid in death, or as I call it, assisted suicide. It's what it is. Take the mask off medical assistance in death, and you know what you have? Assisted suicide, masquerading as something benevolent. So the Roman Catholic Church is very, very strong in orthodoxy with regards to these matters which you'll find many people who will proudly say, I'm Roman Catholic, I'm Roman Catholic, I'm Roman Catholic, but I disagree with the church on this, this, and this. Well, that's an example of a heretic. That's a heretic. See, a heretic is any, anybody that's a part of a, of a group who disagrees with some fundamental teaching of the group becomes a heretic. Now, it doesn't mean they would always be wrong in their point of view. It just means with regards to the group, they are a heretic within that group. When they separate themselves, then they are seditious. The next one is envyings. Envyings. Ah, we know what that means. Murders, we know what that means. Drunkenness, which is excess of wine. Drunkenness is the idea of being under the influence of something in an excessive way, which is chemical in nature drunkenness and then the, the next one or the last one is the word revelings and this is a very interesting one because it says in the lexicon it always presupposes a festive company and drunken revelers drunkenness with impurity and obscenity of the grossest kind and this of course is something that has been manifested within human society for thousands of years and was a very much a part of worship services of pagan world that the apostle is confronting. Revelries. And then he says, and such like. In other words, and other things like this. But it's all works of the flesh. Works of the flesh. And these people who brought their children to Jesus on that occasion were very much aware of that. And that they would transmit and those tendencies over to their children. 
and then when their children, no matter how they might try to influence their children away from those things, that their children were very likely to become involved in those same things themselves later on. And yet, there they found a way. There was a way to avoid it. And the way to avoid it was the power of the Word of God that transformed completely their lives and changed them so that old things passed away and all things became new. That's what was happening to these parents who brought their children to Jesus. That's what happens with those who bring their children to Jesus now. And that must happen, and that is the most important thing that parents can do for their children is to introduce them not just to the Bible stories, not just to Sunday school, not just to church service. Introduce them to the Word. Introduce them to the Word of God appropriate for their age. Read to them. Present the words and the teachings of Jesus to them in appropriate age, according to their intelligence and their interest, of course. You have to be able to gain their interest because if you don't gain their attention, you won't be able to get them to hear what you're saying. That's it's very simple, isn't it? But you have, as parents, you have an advantage over anyone else because you are mom and dad. And they love you. And they love to sit with you. And they love to listen to you tell them stories. Tell them stories. But don't just tell them stories from some kind of a, you know, just storybook way. Tell them the stories of the Bible. In your own words, beginning, interest them with the pictures. Introduce them as quickly as you possibly can to the actual translations of the scriptures. Let them hear the word of God. Let the power of the Word of God pray with them. Let the power of the Word of God enter into them and begin to the process of dividing between the soul and the spirit within them. And you'll see the changes begin because it's impossible for the Word to gain entrance without bringing about change and transformation. And this is not just simply saying to them, you know, this is right and this is wrong. That's good to do that. But what's better than that is to introduce the Word itself to them which is able to clearly define the difference and distinction between what's appropriate and inappropriate. And they know it themselves because the word divides between spirit and soul. And that must happen early on. That's what these people were doing and wanting and desiring in bringing their children to Jesus. And we say, well, can I do that now? Absolutely, yes. Let me say, if the word of God is working powerfully in you as a parent then you will want to do the same thing as these parents did. And can you do that now? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Don't let the schools be the ones that introduce information into a critical part of the life of your child. You do that. Make sure that your children, when they choose the level of authority, authority and what is authoritative, that you're at the top of that list, not some teacher at school. You're at the top of that list, not somebody on a TV program. Be very careful about all this stuff of television programs with your children. You just have to be. Because what is it doing? What is it doing? Besides entertaining, besides carrying the child away into some kind of fancy land that is 
No truth resides. Think about these things very, very seriously because the window of opportunity will soon close. It will soon close. And what this word will do is it will break generational pain. It will break generational suffering and dysfunction. And so they said, I must bring them and place them in his hands. But those who represent him, those whom he has empowered to represent him, are standing in my way and not allowing me to do the thing that my spirit and mind intensely desires to do and knows is right to do. Think about the absurdity of this. Does that continue to happen today? It could, and sometimes it does. And we must be very careful that we would never, ever, ever do that to stand in the way of those who would bring their little ones or the little ones themselves who would desire to come to Jesus. So this is what they wanted. They wanted to come, bring them to Jesus so that he would put his hands on them and pray. You know inside what that means. Let me see if I can express it a little bit more in words. You want to place them in his custody. You want him to have custodial care and control of your little ones. You know that he has given it to you the custody and the care of those children, of your children. He's given that to you, but you want to return it back to him. What you do with every good and perfect gift that he gives you, you offer it back to him in praise and adoration and sacrifice. And he blesses it and gives it back to you. It's just as giver but blessing. And You want his children to be the beneficiary of his blessing. You want him with his hands on your little one. You want him looking into the eyes of your child, seeing way off into the future with regards to your child, knowing the very thing that this child must be protected from at a critical moment in time, knowing the end from the beginning. And he looks into the life of your child and he sees it and says, no, it must not be, it must not be. No, it must not be. See, Speaking authoritatively with regards to the, even the future, looks into your child and knows exactly what the child is destined to be in God's plan. And what must happen for that child to find the very center of God's will for his or her life. All this is a part of what they wanted for their children. And you want that for your children. I wish the room was just filled. But let me say to you, this room is filled a lot more than we realize right now. That's what they wanted. I must bring them and place them into his hands for blessing and for his custody. This is not baptism. This is not baptism. This is for blessing. And of course, this will happen naturally, but I'd like all the children to sit with their parents, right with mom and dad, and close. So, we... Uh, this is very important. It must be done this way. And so we're talking about the 
parents bringing their little ones to Jesus so that he might put his hands on them and pray and bless them. I have a little video I want to show you, and I think the children will be able to appreciate this and enjoy this, and they'll remember this. According to their age, of course, I'll ask Pat if she'll play that for us right now. What I'm offering this morning and suggesting this morning is not that you bring your children to me. I don't want you to bring your children to me. I want you to bring your children to Jesus. And I'm, I'm not standing in the way. I'm encouraging you to do that. See, I'm not like one of Jesus' disciples is saying, no, 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 the master's too tired. I'm saying, no, he's not too tired. <laughs> and he wants you to bring your children to him. He wants you to bring your children to him. And not just this morning, but every day, each day, all the time. This, uh, I made up a, just very humble, but I made up a few little bookmarks. And they're in a glass over here, so you're welcome to take a couple. If, if you have a little book at home that you use that you read to your children from, then this humble little bookmark would be a great one to take and to put in that little book. This year at Christmas time, Pat said that she, you know, she'd really like it if we could have a Bible that we could give to the, grand, the great-grandchildren which is some of you here, the little ones. So I looked around to see what we could find, and some of the Bibles were not really Bibles, but they were just kind of like, I didn't really like some of the storyline even in them. They changed the story a little bit. So we found one that had pictures that the children would be interested in, but it's actually a Bible. It's actually a translation, the NIV. And, and so it, it was perfect with the different stories from Old and New Testament and lovely illustrated pictures in it. So... So we made arrangements to give those as gifts this year. And I'm going to give you, welcome to take one of these bookmarks. And if you have such a book at home you use to read it to your children, then put that in the book because it has a picture of Jesus with the little children on it. And the Bible verse we've read together this morning. So we received a, in response to the gift after Christmas Day and gifts were open. One of our greats sent us a little, uh, well, his mother did, sent us a little picture, and that'll show you the little picture of him. There he is with the Bible that grandma, great-grandma and great-grandpa gave to him and his brother for Christmas. And there he is looking at the pictures. And he's looking at the pictures right now because of his tender years. And he'll be able to take the book and just go through and look at pictures. That's okay for now. But his mom and dad will be able to read to him Going forward, he'll be able to understand according to his ability as he grows and, get, and becomes older. And he'll be getting the real Bible, not just some storybook, but the real scriptures. And those words will penetrate into his understanding. And guess what will happen is it will also penetrate into the understanding of mom and dad as they read to the most precious people on earth to them, their children. So pick one of these up. And again, bring your children to Jesus. This is a form of dedication of your children. There's many ways you can dedicate your children to the Lord. There are services of dedication. This is one of those. But it's very different from any you've probably had before. This is a time of dedication of your children, placing them in the custody of the Lord Jesus. We're just going to come and play. The song we'll close with, Jesus Loves the Little Children. <laughs>